Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Wicking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. How's it going, Jen? It's going. Got any Jen updates for us? I recently got a new fountain pen, which has been very exciting. Is that the replacement for the one that sucked? Yeah. You know, you, the, the, you can't win them all. <laughs> okay, so once you got a non-broken pen, it works great. It's pretty great. Okay. Yes, thank you for asking. You're welcome. <laughs> How are you? Any any updates on the Levi side? As you know, Jen, we're going to go and do some new deep dungeon Eureka Orthos later on today. It's going to be pretty sweet. It's going to be pretty sweet. It's it's hard, but it's it's interesting. It's going to get harder from there. Yeah, no, it's great. Because, you know, Palace of the Dead, you're just like until quite a few floors in. And then you're like, okay, now I actually have to pay attention. Yep. <laughs> um, but this, you got to be on your shit right away. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's pretty fun. So, yeah, we've been enjoying that. But Jen, today. But Jen. <laughs> but Jen. <clears throat> before we get into that, we're going to do some talking about the Final Fantasy XIV main story quest. Yes, we are. We are going to be chasing down our newly encountered Asian and seeing where that takes us. Yeah, this is our first. No, it's not. This is our second investigation for the Scions. Yeah. The first one we investigated was the um, the abductions yep. in Thanalan, and uh, now we are after La Habrea. But first, what happened last time? Sylph stuff. Okay, we wrapped up the whole uh, Sylph primal situation. We went looking for the Elder, which had been, uh, he had been chased into uh, Todorak. And so we did the Todorak dungeon to rescue uh, Frixio. And this is where we found... Right before the boss fight, this is where we found La Habrea, and he introduced himself to us, um, and then sicked a giant diamite on our party, which is very rude. We easily dispatched the diamite. We freed Frixio. We went back to the Sylphs in Little Solace to, I guess, continue the talks. The, the whole point of this entire thing was just to be like, "Hey, you guys aren't gonna summon your primal anytime soon, are you?" And they're gonna be like, "No, that's stupid." And as a sign of trust, we got the, what was the, the was, was it orange? Was it bright orange? No, 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 it was purple. The purple crystal. Yes, the lightning um, crystal. The lightning crystal. Because Ramu is the lightning primal. Right. So now we are returning to the waking sands. And as we roll into the solar, we see the whole gang's here. Biggs and Wedge are here, as is Alphano. Yeah, he's front and center. And he and Minfilia are discussing something mysterious. First, they kind of close out a recap of our exploits with the Sylphs, because as we might recall, Papalimo and Ida went ahead of us to report back. Then their conversation goes on to something else. Minfilia asks Alphano about an investigation he's working on, to which he replies, They are many and one, just as you suspected. Their purpose, however, eludes us still. Hmm. And I admit I cannot discern or recall what they're talking about here. Do you know, Jen? They are many and one. I don't know. Maybe he is um, trying to sniff out maybe Garlean spies within the ranks of the Immortal Flames. I think many and one doesn't really speak to Garlemald. 
Unless it's, you know, he's talking, he's he's also trying to dig into the Asian menace. That was my first inclination, just because if they're going to be vague and mysterious about something, sure. it'll be the Asians. But also, I can see a connection if I unfocus my eyes, but it doesn't really resonate with what I think of the Asians. So we'll look forward to figuring out what Alphano is working on yeah, later. You know, I don't, I don't think we're necessarily supposed to know. Anyway, after that little aside, Minfilia then inquires about Alice, to which Alphano replies, she has chosen to walk her own path. And with that, Alphano departs, leaving another report from the students of Beldesian. And just then we enter the solar, Alphano gives us a look of recognition on his way out. It's not even like a nod. It's just he looks at us as he's walking out. God, he's it's so it's so weird. He's such a shit right now. Yeah, he's goddamn. It hurts a little bit. <laughs> you know, I love like it. it. It's so fucking. He's such a turd. So after he gives us the look, I'm like, really? That's it? The scions discuss the other primal threats. Most fronts are secure for now. The other primals are either quiet or have not been sighted recently. Except for Garuda, who they don't have eyes on. Minfilia laments the absence of someone, which we can infer right now. It's Sid Garland. He's, she's not talking about Louis Soi for once. Yeah. But anyway, because there's nothing pressing now, it's break time. Everyone clears out of the solar. Yeah. Except we tell Minfilia one-on-one that we met the Asian Laha Brea during our exploits. She's like, oh, shit. That's some big news. Yikes. That they should reveal themselves in person to you. Yeah. With the primals on hold, now is a great time to investigate the Asians further. But just then, there's a scream from the reception area. Oh, God. Everybody run. Tataru, she's on the ground. She's She has freaked out. And the the thing in front of her that caused her to be so scared is Naraxia, uh, who followed us to the Waking Sands. And- Naraxia the Sylph. The, correct. Um, the sylph with the, uh, the the maple leaf face. And I guess if you've never seen a sylph, it can be a little uh, a little jarring, even though they are very cute. But again, I, they're a little bit larger than Tataru, and they fly, and they look a little weird. So she screams and freaks out, and everybody's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Um, it's just Noraxia. And Tataru is like, why didn't y'all tell me? Noraxia is here because after our gesture of friendship... The Sylph Elder has sent her here to help out the Scions. Yeah. Well, awesome. We're happy to have you. Crisis averted. Tatari was a little... She's a little embarrassed, I think. She'll but, be fine. You know, she'll, oh, she'll be fine. We can now return to the Solar to resume our conversation with Minfilia. But if we're so inclined, we can take a detour to the break room slash storage room. And a lot has changed between last time and this time. Mm-hmm. First off... Another one of the Merchant Brothers is here. Brement is now looking for his brothers. He just missed Brennan, who was here last time. <laughs> and then there are two red-haired, eye-patched adventurers. They might be siblings. They look very similar. Yeah, their their outfits are similar. They both have eye patches. I, I'm thinking definitely related, or they're a couple with some, I don't know, toxic traits. <laughs> You can talk to the guy. His name is Clive. The lady with him is not interactable, so she's a mystery right now. But Clive says he's from the students of Beldesian. Mm-hmm. Biggs and Wedge are down here, lamenting still that Sid is missing. Leavin is here also, the archer from Edda's party. 
And she's using a pitchfork to rake the stone floor. She's Yeah, she's like, I've decided to start my training again. Like, your training involves raking the floor. She's using the pitchfork like a broom. Yep. And you can hear it she's scraping, scraping it across the, the stone. Like, what is she doing? This is so confusing. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody... Somebody enlighten us, please, because I didn't... It was like, is she... And she's behind, like, a partition, so she's separated herself that way. But I guess, you know, if you're scraping a pitchfork against a stone floor, it's going to be really annoying. Is she um, being pranked by someone? I don't know what what sort of training this, this is. Or if... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Another mystery for this episode. So, But yeah, so that's what she's doing. She's starting her training all over again, and... Um, you know, she's just trying to keep her mind occupied because bad memories tend to surface when she's kind of still. <laughs> Shit, I get that. Uh, so let her rake the floor, I guess. It's CrossFit. Uh, That's what it is. Oh my fucking <laughs> this is This is part of my keto diet. There's also a new guy down here, Haribert. Harry Bear. Um, He's a blonde Highlander with swept back hair and shades. No, so this guy is a uh, blonde Salt Bay who has gone to a renaissance fair. Or that. That's what he looks like. Great. If we talk to him, he waxes philosophical about Alamigo. Mm -hmm. There are two types of Alamigans. Fools who fight back, but don't know how, and cowards who have fled. And he's the latter. Yeah. We'll note him for later. Mm -hmm. And we have other people down here too, but they don't say anything very deep or interesting. No, I did check in with um, Arnvald, and he's just... um... Like, oh, I think I'm getting my first assignment soon. Very excited. Oh, um, shoot. No, I did miss um, Urianjay and Una Tayun, mm, the former mm-hmm. Warrior of Light, are hanging out down here with the other warriors in Una's party. She seems to have realized that she is one of the former Warriors of Light, but she's not sure if it's worth trying to take credit for it. She wonders if maybe people will be mad at her for having ultimately failed to stop Dalamud from hatching and Bahamut from breaking out and rampaging across the countryside. Right. Like, they could could they have done more? Something like that. I'm like, that's a really awful position to be in. Yeah. Yes. I did talk to her and uh, Rianger. Anyway, back to Minfilia. She has pinged the grand companies of Eorzea about this sighting of La Habrea. Mm-hmm. And the flames have seen something suspicious. So we're off to Flame Commander Swift in Uldah. And for this investigation, we are solo. There are no Scions backing us up. Yeah, they're all busy. They're busy taking a break. Yeah, they're all in Costa <laughs> del Sol, sipping sangria. They are literally in the break room <laughs> lounging. Yeah, of course. And of course, you know, Ishtola is deep in the tomes, as always. We report to Uldah and find Swift in the Hall of Flames, the Immortal Flames headquarters. He reports that a brass blade has sighted someone looking like La Habrea in eastern Thanalan. But this person was killed during a Kikurden raid two days ago, so the witness is now dead. All the same, it's a lead, so we head off to Highbridge in eastern Thanalan to go investigate. Yeah. This is the city perched on the cliffside next to the massive chasm that runs through eastern Thanalan. We were here for the finale to the Gladiator questline. That's right. And the first person we question is a merchant named Hihibaru. He's like a merchant Santa. A merchant Santa? His headscarf is white on the bottom and red on top. Yeah, but that's literally the only connection to Santa. You know, the this this they have the same colorway in headwear. 
That's a very there's iconic color scheme. There's no facial hair. Scheme. There's no white hair. The rest of his outfit has no connection to Santa or it was Christmas my first at all. Thought on seeing him, so that's, that's you do interesting. You, that's interesting. All right, will you speak to a small Santa in in, in Highbridge? <laughs> Hihibaru is uh, chilling in Highbridge, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I've heard rumors around town about some masked guy running around, um, but that's pretty much it." And you know, I'm. Right now, I'm I'm kind of just trying to make a go of it out here. You know, I sold everything I had to to post up in Highbridge, thinking that with the excavation going on underneath, you know, the Order of Nothal doing all that shit, I'm like, this is going to be the new hotspot. People are going to be coming in from all over the realm, passing through, and I was going to capitalize on that. And none of that none of that materialized because, um, I mean, probably for a variety of reasons, but the biggest one is the uh, tribesmen constantly attacking the settlement. So everybody's scared. So there's no business. Great. He tells us, you know, you probably have better luck talking to some other folks because I just, all I have is rumor. So good luck to you. So we do, we kind of run around Highbridge and, and talk to some people and they're like, um, kind of similar. There's, there's a, we talked to a, a number of merchants and I'm like, y'all, maybe this, this tiny settlement can only just, I think there's only room for an merchant. You know, maybe that's why y'all have been struggling with business. I think that if it were not in such a rough state right now, it'd be fine. It's on a major trade road. It is. And also there are airship docks too on the side of the settlement. Oh, I mean, it is. It has the infrastructure for major trade to, to yeah, to happen here. But, you know, it's scary. Kieran's have, are like all around them and the attacks are very frequent and they're very, um, you know, organized, I guess. We head back to him and say, we haven't found shit all. Then he's like, oh, well, that sucks. Neither have I. These concurrent attacks seem to be strangely orchestrated. Yeah, it's like they're they're much more frequent now. And they're organized in such a way that it seems like somebody is is helping them. Um, so they're teaching them like better battle tactics. Um, they're encouraging them to do this more frequently for something. Something is going on. This is a uh, a very noticeable ramp up. We turn the quest in, and then a new one pops up immediately, but I think we're supposed to go take a nap or something. He has an update for us now. Yeah. When he said a second ago that there was no news. This is the issue when, you know, you just kind of like barrel through the MSQ, and there's, well, no, there's, there's a... There's no either right here. Who's going to turn this quest in and not and take the next quest? I know. Like, like that, that's never right, going to happen. Later on in later content, they make you go somewhere else if you need time to pass. <laughs> Like, it'll be, okay, so you go hang out with these guys for a while, and then when you return, then something has happened. Mm-hmm. So we do a power nap, and then there's news. Yeah. He has seen recently a fire in the countryside, and he went to go investigate, and he saw our robed, masked figure talking to some cacerns around this fire. Mm-hmm. So he thinks maybe if we were to stage a similar fire, we might summon the cacerns, we can then interrogate them for their secrets about this person. Yeah, obviously this this smoke signal is a way to reach uh, his uh, co-conspirators and have conversations. So we're going to do it too and see what happens. So he gives us this uh, smoldering piece of coal and uh, we go out to that spot, light it up, get the smoke going and a pugilist corpse brigade member pops in and, and fights us. And this is, I mean, he's a little bit out of his area. 
a little bit. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that's that's interesting. I was expecting Kakirans, but no, we got we got a rando from like the little Alamigo area. We may recall that the Corpse Brigade are the former flunkies of the late King of Alamigo. When the king fell, they feared retaliation from the people they oppressed, and so they fled and they are now functionally bandits. And when we take out the soldier, we loot him and we find a prayer scroll. Hihibaru informs us that it's a prayer to Rolger the Destroyer, who is primarily worshipped in Alamigo. So this guy must be Alamigan. Thanks, Detective. Yep. Way ahead of you, but okay. thanks. Uh-huh. But he recommends that we check out Little Alamigo in southern Thanalan. Right. And he has a daughter that works there as well, so he can refer us to her and give us an in. Well, she abandoned Ulda and went to Little Alamigo for reasons. But doesn't say why. It it does. Yeah, it does. It does. Little Alamigo is a settlement for Alamigan refugees. It's located inside a rocky butte that is riddled with caves, and they've reinforced this natural formation with gates to keep it safe. Even so, the place is pretty miserable. Yeah, uh, a lot of poverty there. Um, no one likes Alamigans, as we know. Mm-hmm. So it's a rough setup, even with their vestige of infrastructure yeah it's just it's 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 a glorified refugee camp so we find hihira there it turns out she's not here to try and exploit or sell to the refugees but she's here to try and help them she's one of the rare uldans who is moved by the plight of refugees yeah and she wants to do a good thing however because they've been shit on so much they do not trust her whatsoever maybe do a dance maybe give them a little uh milk root Wrong crowd, but oh. metaphorically, yes. Yeah. And if you do explore her side quests, she's initially trying to push Uldan remedies on them. And they're like, I'm not going to drink that shit. It's, it's probably poison. Eventually, though, she's able to make some inroads by using Alamegan recipes and remedies. You eventually learn what they would use as medicine, and then she can provide that. And she actually makes some... She has some success that way in actually connecting with them and getting them to accept her help. Good for her. MSQ-wise, she says, hello, I can't really help you because these people don't trust me. But the leader, Gundobald, he's the guy for you. Gundobald is a older lancer with an impressive white mustache. This guy is in great shape. Yeah. He looks, I mean, he, he looks the part of a settlement leader for sure, or the leader of a resistance. These this long white hair, a bushy white mustache. He still has this, you know, this chiseled face, but it has seen a lot of sun, a lot of wind, a lot of action. And he's got this this like a lot of armor on and a very deep V shirt, and his six pack is just like bubdow. Um anyway, that's Gundabald. And he's like, state your business, be quick about it. I don't give a fuck. Please leave. <laughs> long story short, he doesn't care. However, we do have more luck with the local flames contact, Gisselbert. He refers us to his scouts, and while we're running around, we may as well bring them some tea. Sure. Some sweet Thanalan tea. Yes. Yeah. Most of the scouts are more concerned with their work than with our mysterious stranger. So we return to Gisselbert, and he says, Sorry, you'll probably have to win the trust of the Alamegans for them to actually share what they know with you. Yeah, you're going to have to become pretty close with somebody. And not just somebody, somebody that little Alamigo or little Alamegans respect. 
that person will have to vouch for you. I mean, so this is this is a little bit different than just learning a, an introductory custom, like a dance or an offering of a you know, psychedelic. <laughs> We're going to have to put in some serious legwork here. So, Jen, who do we know that's Alamegan? Ida is... Arnvald. <laughs> Ida is Alamegan. Ardenvald is Alamegan. He is the scion that we can talk to in the basement. We've not met him story-wise, but he's been around for a while. But no, it's not the familiar faces. They get no mention whatsoever. Nah. It's this new guy. This new guy, which if you hadn't been like dicking around in the in the in the storage room, you would have no idea. You'd be like, "Who?" Okay, I'll go check this guy out. So, we're going to go and meet officially Harbert, aka Sunglasses. Harry Bear, Salt Bay. Sure. Renfair Salt Bay. <laughs> he says that he'd love to help, but he left the resistance to join the Scions. And so they won't give him the time of day. He is persona non grata now. He's right. considered a, a, a deserter. So even though his mission is still the same, and he basically abandoned the resistance. That's right. how they think about it. Yeah. Well, he does too. He admits when well, you yeah, talk to him. That's, that's why he's like, I'm a coward, right? Like, you know, he's trying to do what he thinks is best. And he probably thinks maybe the rest is, resistance isn't, you know, he's just like, I get it. He's trying to like cast a wide net. But, you know, don't call yourself a coward, bro. Like, geez. He does know someone named Albreda in Quarry Mill that might have an in for us to the Resistance. And so we're off to South Shroud. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ida is 10 feet away talking to Naraxia. <laughs> yeah. Quarrymill is a short distance east of Buscaran's Druthers. This is the main population center in the South Shroud Zone. It's a small town surrounded by very tall wooden walls. Its name comes from its former purpose as the place where Rodania's stone foundations were milled down into functional shapes. So it's not the quarry, it's the, the mill where they worked the stone before it got shipped off to Gordania. Nice. And we find Albreda here. She is an Elamegan that has been accepted into the Shroud by the Elementals. And when we meet her at first, she is indignant that a traitor like Heribert would ask her for a favor. But she eventually relents and points us to a local resistance leader named Mefred. Well, she does say a few things. So it's, it's obvious that these, these guys were in a relationship. So she's the ex-girlfriend of Heribert. And she's still a little bit bitter over that. And so she's bitter about that. And she's bitter about the, the you know, the, the, the quote unquote desertion, whatever. And she just like, you know what? I, he, he's a good man. He's doing what he thinks is best. So uh, that said, um, you're going to want to talk to the captain of the resistance in this in the cell shroud. And that's Mefred over there. So this was presented kind of confusingly. What we learn as we do this quest is that Mefred is not stationed here or anything because I wasn't sure why she was accepted, but he wasn't. But what we will figure out is that he and his compatriots are just passing through the South Shroud, but they are stuck here because some are injured. Right. But it seemed at first like he was a long-term fixture here. Right. And I was confused just about up. why he was tolerated because he wasn't accepted by the Elementals like Albreda was. Yeah. I I'm assuming that they were doing resistance stuff in Alamigo because Alamigo is not too far away from 
East Shroud. Right. And then they are now retreating, returning to Little Alamigo, Mm -hmm. but they're injured, can't go on without treatment. So they're stuck here. Right. And nobody can treat them because the elementals have willed it. Nobody will treat them. Yeah, the elementals have not... um, given permission for anybody to treat them by you know using the bounty of the woods and people are very afraid to ruffle those feathers which i understand because they can be a little especially now after calamity capricious and touchy so mefred is like yeah my my guy while we're talking to mefred uh one of the other resistance guys runs up and he's like Galleon's wounds are infected and he's feverish and I don't think he has much time left. And Mefred is enraged. He's like, this is fucking insane. We've been here for how long? The villagers refuse to help us. I don't understand. You know, and so he he pleads for us to maybe work on his behalf and getting some of the villagers to help him to provide medicine, something. Right, because he's too pissed to Yeah, be he's like, I'm not going to make any friends with this attitude. Yep. Fair. So we go to Alberita and we're, you know, we implore her to help. And she's like, again, this is the elementals have not willed it so. And that, that's it. I have to wash my hands of this. Um, maybe the village here can help you, you know, and she's more, she can actually commune or listen to the elementals. They might give her, I don't know, go right. talk to her. And she says, no, the elementals said that we will not accept the Alamegans so they can fuck off and die. Yeah. I mean, fair the elementals have is bad that... memories of alamigo and, and like this is how this is where the capriciousness comes in that, i mean so that's 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 that and we we go back to mefford with this news like we are we are shit out of luck in this and he's he's just he's infuriated also albreda is afraid that if she were to do something that breaches the will of the elementals that might ruin things for all of the accepted alamigans because right Shit's fucked up. It's a it's a fragile position to be in, and I understand her her reluctance. But Jesus, like a, a man's life is on the line. I don't know. Yeah, it's like walking on eggshells. It's like living in an abusive household. Yep. Um, so he's you know this man is infuriated, and he's he is desperate to save the life of his brother. These people are very close, and so he's like, all right, you know what? What I think i could use would be some antelope horn and we can grind that down and i i believe it's used to kind of purge a body of poison at the very least we can try that so we go we kill some antelopes what's not said here is that this actually might put us in danger of the elementals wrath right um you know we didn't get the message from the elementals that we're not allowed to do this so you <laughs> I'm know sure that's just, gonna be a great argument if uh, that... <laughs> yeah he should have told us like uh something else i don't know not <laughs> It's not for it's not for medicine. This is just for because uh, I like antelope horn. So you know, this, so we have plausible no, deniability it's, it's in the face of elementals. because they are overpopulated. That's why you have something, to call them something. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, anyway we get the horns and uh, go back to him, and he's like, "Okay, I don't have anything to prepare this, but do you know a guy named Buscarone? I hear that he's like kind of a helpful guy around town." I'm like, "Hey, as a matter of fact, I do," and he's just right over there. So we ride over to Buscarone and we tell him what's going on. And he's like, oh, shit, no, I'll do you one better. I'll just give you some of this medicine that's already made. This is the medicine that I used um, when I myself had an infection and I was doing very poorly. And this shit saved my life. And he learned it, though, from an Alamegan friend. Right. So this is like, you know, one good turn deserves another. So here's your shit. So we take the medicine back to deploy it upon Galleon in with with haste. 
when we get back, though, we learn that this guy has left. He's left a letter behind saying that he's not going to slow down and burden his comrades any longer. So he's gone off into the forest to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're to carry on without him. And of course, they're like, uh, fuck that. It's, it is him walking into the woods in his state is suicide. Of course, he knew that. Um, but they're not going to just let him. So we chase after him. Right. And we find him at the mouth to a bat-infested tunnel. He's in rough shape. And also just then, a, a rogue goblin ambushes us. Yeah, we, we find Galleon. And he's like, watch out, there's a goblin. And there's a goblin. <laughs> and we beat the goblin. Uh, after this, then the rest of his crew run up and Mefred is like, bro, don't you ever do that again. I love you, bro. We we die together or we die not at all. We're like, this, this the all for one, one for all, blah, blah, blah. You motherfucker, I'm gonna, you're going to be in so much shit, but thank God you're alive, you know. <laughs> and so he's found. They administer the medicine. He's going to pull through. Hallelujah. So because we've we've done all this for literally like for the resistance, Mefred is like, how can I ever repay you? And we're like, you know, what we're trying to do is this. And we're trying to get an in with the with little El Amigo. And a word from you would go very, very far. And he's like, not a problem. Here's a letter. Give it to Gundelbald. He used to be my mentor, actually. So that's basically a done deal at this point. So great. We head back to little Alamigo to, to close out this segment of the quest we go back to Gundobald and again he greets us with like why the fuck are you here I told you to leave and we give him the letter from Mefred and he is he is so happy to hear one that Mefred is like alive and well and he says if Mefred likes you that's all I fucking need to know I'll hear you out and this is where we're going to stop because this gets into like a whole other like subplot within Little Alamigo and it's going to take us, you know, at least like an episode to um to get through all of that. So, this is where this is where we end. Did you like this bit, Jen? I totally forgot about this bit, and I I do like it. So we're just we're just trying to find out La Habrea. So it's a little, it seems a little cute still. You know, we're just like running around town. Have you guys seen a masked man? Have you guys seen it? Who's anybody seen a masked man? Um, and then once again, running into a a small faction of folk who don't take kindly to outsiders. <laughs> seems to be the theme. Sure. I think this is done very well. Every step here serves to build the story. This is, okay, so we know shit all about this person. Yeah. We're starting from near scratch. And then we follow the trail of breadcrumbs to find information about this thing. And it's not going to be easy, of course, finding some enigmatic figure in the whole of the desert. Yes. The thing that really like broke the case wide open was when we lit the coal and the member of the corpse brigade showed up. We never would have made that connection otherwise. If it was just like one of the, you know, Kakirin bros that showed up, we'd still be running around in Eastern Thanaland trying to find that connection, which there wouldn't really be one. But the God, the Corpse Brigade guy, like, oh, okay, this is something. So now we have, yeah, and it was just like, it's un unfolding this mystery. Yeah. And also, every step is very tasky, but it doesn't feel like a chore because 
every step has story contained within it as well. 100%. It wasn't just step after step after step of like, go kill four antelope. Go kill a goblin and steal his pouch of goodies. Go do this and... Bre- no, it's... Yeah, you're right. It, it's, it has a legitimate tie to moving the story forward. And what's impressive to me, though, is this feels very organic in the way it unfolds. It feels like if you were to have control of your character versus being on a linear story path, like if this were a tabletop RPG versus being a computer RPG, mm-hmm. then you would do the same thing. Yeah. You would chase your lead and then you get a clue from there and yeah. so on. It feels like it unfolds very naturally. Oh, totally. Which I appreciated quite a bit. I And that's the, again, going back to the corpse read moment, if this were a tabletop RPG, you'd be like, oh, guys, wait, 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 wait. So where do the corpse brigades hang out? Oh, shit. They're like right across the street from Little Alamigo. Oh, that's right. They were banished from Little Alamigo because they were faithful to the old like piece of shit um, ruler of Alamigo um, when he was deposed. Oh, this is getting this is getting interesting. And then everybody at the table is going to rub their hands and go like, yeah, we're after you, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. I also like that we get to do a solo mission at last. Yeah, man. It's nice to feel like we are doing something versus being kind of led by the nose by a superior. Right. Or that we have like a uh, chaperone. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've earned our wings here. Yes. We did the whole last one ourselves too. Ida and Papalimo just showed up to take credit for it. They literally popped out of a bush. Yeah. like, hey. <laughs> it's worth noting though that I did not have a single idea what Alamigo actually was on my first playthrough. Mm-mm. It gets name dropped a ton, but- what is it though? Like it's so hard to pull together all of these random spread apart threads that are well, they're not threads, they're just crumbs. Like a little mention here, a little mention here. You realize something something happened. We don't know what's going on. Um, but this really fleshes that out very nicely. Yeah, it's hard to tell the Alamegan refugees apart from the other random refugees from the calamity. E- exactly. Yeah. So like what's special about them exactly? Um, we know now, but now we know. We could have used a history lesson from one of the Scions. Maybe when we went back to get our <laughs> Alamegan... bro, you slipping. He's on break. I... <laughs> Literally everybody's in the break room. But Minfilia should have told us before we talked to... What's his face? Oh, Harry Barrett. Maybe talk to Urian J or maybe even Thancred. Thancred knows shit too. How about all of them? Whichever, so we get just... three, three little MSQ comet symbols above these bitches, and we go talk to Harry Bear, and he's like, and, and he'll tell us, like, I, I, I'm basically banished from that community because reasons, but Orion J can give you a little bit more background info on why that's problematic. And then we go to Ariane J, and he would give us a flowery story, and maybe half of it we wouldn't be able to understand. And then we go to Thingrid, and he'd be like, bitch, and um, then, yeah. But it's still was kind of laid out for us in our um, interactions with Mefred and his crew. And and again, just humanizing that whole section of the population where before it was like El Amigo. It means something. Yeah. I don't know what. This goes back to my thesis about A Realm Reborn where it undersells its own story. I know, right? Because all the disparate pieces of El Amigo that are spread across Eorzea are all very interesting. Yes. We have the Corpse Brigade, who are one faction who've taken one approach. There's the refugees, there's the resistance, there's the people who have assimilated. Mm-hmm. Like, they all are doing something, but without understanding where they came from, it's hard to understand what's happening in the present. Yes. But with that knowledge, though, it it's very rich and complex what's happened to them in the story. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't give you the tools 
in its order of presentation to really parse it. Right. But in a way that does kind of keep it, it, it keeps it titillating, you know, as you try to move move on with the story. And that's that's literally why when I first started playing this game, I was spending six, seven, eight hours a day playing this because I just, I could not get enough of this story. I was like, I got to find this out. I got to find this out. And it, it just, it consumed me. It was literally another full-time job. I spent that much fucking time in it. Full-time leisure. Yeah. And I was happy to do it. <laughs> also, this was COVID too. So what else are you going to do exactly? I know. And it was, <laughs> it was actually perfect. It just, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything else. It was great. Any other comments, Jen? Nope. But um, the next segment that comes that's coming up, I, I did forget about this and um, I'm kind of excited for it. I, I think this this adds yet another facet to the little Alamegan story. Nice. That'll be in two episodes. Next time, we are exploring our very first Disciple of the Land. Woo! We'll be talking about the botanist job. Yay! See you then. All right, that will do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you want to get in touch, like maybe telling us why Libyan is pitchforking the floor, uh, you can. You can reach us at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com or via Twitter at podreturn. And have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day and we will see you next time.